0: It's an absolute pleasure to um, welcome on former Premier League referee. I can't remember saying that, um, Jeff Winter, who you all know if you're into football. Um, yeah, let's get let's get into it. Mine. I know you like to start when the referees are on, so I'll let you do a little bit with uh, with Jeff and introduce him, and then we'll go from there. We'll uh, hopefully get some good stuff going mm-hmm. on.
1: Thanks, thanks, mate. I, I want to retake really that. I, I, I know it's a bit of a dodgy um, thing to say to your face, but you really have been a bit of an ear off to me for years Jeff and my background is that when I, I got to the line I started um, and you might remember when you he, were when he sort of acclimatising to get on a Premier League line they used to give you like TBA games didn't they <coughs> where like you'll do like Reading against West Brom at the bottom of the Prem when you're on a football to see if you get on and I always looked up to you and I got injured at Aston Villa and I had to retire and I got a job at, um, at the FA one of these you know level 3 level 2B coaches and David Allardy was my gaffer and, uh, and Neil Barry. And we used to have an appraisal every, like, four months. He just sitting sit in there and he wanted us to, like, say, what, what are your referees like? And, and I came up with this thing where I used to say they're a bit like David Ellery or they're a bit like Jeff Winter. And it used to make him piss himself laughing because he knew what I meant. And I said, we need more referees like Jeff Winter. We need more referees who've got a bit more about them. They, they, they're a bit gritty. They're not this beige robot stuff. Like you, David, because the game's going that way, and I used to always think, well, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff was a good lad, and blah, blah blah blah. But I've always used you as a reference to what I think a good
2: referee is like. A good re- referee, maybe in that day, but I wouldn't last five minutes in the in the, <laughs> in the present era. On, on my after dinners, I say I was a referee for 25 years. But, you know, if I was refereeing today, I wouldn't last 25 minutes because the game has gone. It has gone so differently. And it was starting to go that way towards the end of my career. Um, I mean, when I was finishing, I mean, now when a referee finishes at the highest level, there's almost the guarantee of a job, um, mm. whether it's in VAR or whatever. In my day, it was goodbye, good night, and you're out the door. But um, Keith Hackett was in charge of the referees and um, they were looking for assistance to Keith Hackett um, to carry forward the referee in training and, you know, education and everything else. And I was in line for one of the jobs. Keith made no secret of the fact that he wanted me working for him. And I had to have an interview and they gave you it wasn't a case of you've passed the interview, you've failed the interview. They actually you got points on each little aspect of the interview. And one of the things was um, they obviously asked you various questions. But one was that they wanted you to do a PowerPoint presentation on how you would deal with a referee who you were in charge of who was struggling a bit. And my first reaction said, well, what do you need a PowerPoint presentation for? Because you need to have shown that you can use PowerPoint to highlight the areas in which this referee was failing, was falling behind, and where he needed help. And I said, well, I'll tell you something now. The last thing I would do if I'm dealing with a human being that's having a few problems and needs his confidence building is to produce a fucking PowerPoint. (laughs) (laughs) I would sit down and talk to them, man to man, as we used to do in refereeing in bygone days. You know, it was man management. And if you've got somebody, and it doesn't matter whether you're working in a bank or in an office, a referee is an employee, not having a good time. Some of them you kick up the backside, some you put the arm around the shoulder, but you try and help them. You don't sit in front of a screen going beep, beep, beep. Mm. And I just point blank, refused to do the PowerPoint. And at the end of my interview, um, Keith Hackett rang me up and he says, Jeff, I've got a problem because you didn't do the PowerPoint presentation. Um, you didn't get any points in that section. And to get a second interview, you need so many points. And I'm afraid you haven't got the points. So you won't. I, you know, I want you on board, but you know you can't have a second interview, you're not gonna get the job. And that was the best fucking day's work of my life. <laughs> when you see how refereeing has gone, that is what it is. It's school moms. You know, you mentioned David Eldry being a perfect example. It's school moms and you've got to tick this box, you've got to tick that box. Gone are the days when you could talk to a player. It's about throwing cards around like confetti. And, you know, the last few years have been, you know, with VAR and every other country in the world seems as if they can get VAR to work and and improve things. We can't. And, you know, of late, the problems that are there in the game, you know, the behaviour of um, Mourinho in the last couple of weeks and the behaviour of other managers, that can be solved overnight. Dead easy, but it never will be because the clubs run football. And, um, you know, I, I pull my hair out now. As you well know, once a referee, always a referee. And mm-hmm. if I go to a football game and I go to a hell of a lot, um if something happens on the pitch. the turn round, People turn round and ask me, "What you're asking me for?" I haven't refereed for nearly 20 years, but you know you're tarred with the brush. But the game is so so different now. I, at times, I feel sorry for the lads that are refereeing because they're just not getting the support. Under Howard Webb, I'd love to think it would will change because Howard is a top top guy. Mm-hmm. Um, But the clubs run football, and if Howard was going to be given a free reign to bring in things that will clamp down on the game, you know, anybody who watches the game at the highest level now, the behaviour of the dugouts, the behaviour of players surrounding the referee, which with Mourinho, you know, in the cup final the other week, that was orchestrated, but even down to dissent, down to time wasting, down to where they take throwings from, because, you know, people are pulling their hair off. People used to pinch two yards at a throwing. Now they're being allowed to pinch 20 yards at a throwing, and that could be killed overnight. And if it was, you know, the big problem would be the clubs would be upset. Too many yellow cards, too many red cards. Um, we don't want that. But how that would help if the message was, you know, hammered home at professional level, at the most senior level, how it would help the lads in grassroots, you know, because then the discipline would improve. Um, I, I live in cloud cuckoo land because in my day we had a boss called Philip Don, a senior referee, and Philip was hardline. You know, there was a lot of cautions at the start of one season. There was a lot of red cards, but behaviour, discipline, improved, but the clubs didn't like it. And then the media who wanted you to clamp down on foul-mouthed abuse and everything because it was sending a bad example out, um, the media then turned because the referee that's showing, you know, sending off the star players week after week, he becomes a person that wants to be the centre of attention, thinks it's all about him. Now, you can't have it both ways. You've either got discipline You've got the laws being adhered to strictly or you've got the let this go, let that go. You know, don't be too hard on this. And then we've got the mayhem that I see far too often at games nowadays. You know, mm-hmm. can I just
0: actually, touching mm-hmm. on just some really good things that you said there? Like the, club con- the clubs control football now, which is obviously why the referees are obviously on a, a, are hiding to nothing really. Do, do you think that do you think the clubs have got even more powerful now than, than what they were, let's say in your day? Because I I always remember being I mean I I loved football all my life since, since my earliest memories, and I always remember um, when I spoke about Fergie and um, they said that the that, that referees and the FA and officials were all all scared of him and he had this big influence over games and you know we always just doing about the Fergie time and you know our Manchester United always just seemed to get the penalties and blah blah blah. That to me what what I thought back in when I was younger was obviously the power of Fergie. Would you say that it's not, not now just one individual then? Would you say that there's there's kind of like all of them really have kind of gone into that space and you're fighting just maybe more than, than one manager. It's the clubs and everything and the money well, and the, the pressure. The,
2: the clubs are powerful. I mean, I don't know who sits on the board of the PGMOL nowadays, but, you know, in my day... The chairman was um, of the board of the PGML was also the chairman of a football league club. So, you know, when he's going into a meeting, I don't know which hat he puts on that day. And in football, it's often been like that. The FAs have been made up of club representatives, whether they be chairman or what other capacity. So, you know, it's like bringing laws in or clamping things down or not bringing laws in, it's obviously, that's done at a much higher level. But interpretations and guidelines, it's like turkeys voting for Christmas. They're not going to do it. And, you know, a hard line approach, the laws of the game are there. They always have been there. In recent years, you know, these mid-season tweaks of what is a handball and what isn't a handball. People say to me, Jeff, was that a handball? I say, I don't bloody know. I said, I don't know what a handball is nowadays. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they're changing and tweaking mid-season. But, you know, I go back to more basic things. There was an incident that you lads may be too young to remember. But there was a referee who infamously was remembered as the first referee to send a player off in, in an FA Cup final, uh, Peter Willis from the County Fair Durham. And Peter Willis was a strapping, you know, six foot plus um, policeman and took no messing about from anybody. And we used to have the problem of, uh, before they had to be introduced spray paint, of defensive walls lying up to, lining up two inches in front of the ball and the unsightly experience of the referee marching them out and if memory serves me correctly i think it may well have been everton um it was was it yeah 11. and peter, peter willis just marched up the he told them to get back 10 yards they wouldn't go told them again they wouldn't go and he just marched up to the wall and went ping 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 and I think he cautioned about five or six that the entire wall and um that was frowned on that was the referee drawing too much attention to himself etc etc I tell you something the following week the following month the following season when Peter Willis gave a free kick outside the penalty area the wall back, went back 12 yards.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Willis
2: never had to ask again. And that is all it takes. You know, I mean, I know this. In the grand scheme of things, it may not matter. But Pat Partridge, who was another referee who hailed from my part of the world, his pet as a referee and also as a, a match assessor was that all players had to be in their own half. At the kickoff. Well, we know the laws change now, and one player can go into the opposition half to pass the ball back. But he always used to say, That is your first opportunity to show them who's in control. Now, some people might listen to that and say it's petty, but it got the message across. Likewise, with throw ins, the ball used to go out for a throw in, and the referee I mean, I did this throughout my career, I would point. the spot and shout to the player from there and that's where they took the throwing from now at football games like i say the ball goes out near the corner flag and the players are allowed to move up and up and sometimes they're only doing it so they're going to be pulled back to waste a little bit and you know the referees need to be strong on that time wasting goalkeepers i mean there was a game at middlesbrough towards the end of the season and the goalkeeper just took the piss it, he was doing it from 10 minutes into the game now i'm sure somebody somewhere has said to the player said to the referees you know get the big decisions right um don't be so worried about the petty things you don't want yellow cards for petty things but it's all about control because now we're seeing players flying at referees mm. about dissent. In, very early in my Premier League career, and it was probably one of my first fallouts with Fergie, I refereed Man United at Ipswich, and three Man United players come charging towards me. I think David Beckham was one of them. And <laughs> I've just gone ping, 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 three yellow cards, did them all for descent. Fergie went mad who does he think he is, wants to be the centre of attention. But i tell you something, when I refereed Man United after that, then the, you can imagine the conversation in the dressing room, oh, it's that twat again today, <laughs> don't give him any lip. And that's how you got your reputation. Now, maybe, I, like I say, maybe I'm living in cloud cuckoo land, but if the referees took back the responsibility and the ownership of applying the laws of the game, Not only would it make their life easier at that level, because, you know, referees have reputations at every level, the clubs. I mean, I'm quite pally with a lot of former players up in the northeast and they tell me the conversations that used to go on in the dressing room. It's him today. You know what you can do? Don't answer him back. He might tell you to go away as we were allowed to in those days. um, Or he's going to hammer you for it. Don't start taking the piss with free kicks, corner kicks, throw-ins. He's strict on that. By the same token, you know what he's like. Bully him. We'll get away with
3: Mm something.
2: So, you know, referees have got the laws of the game to support them, but they've got themselves the personalities. And if Howard Webb is allowed to, you know, they always used to say at the start of the season there's been a – you know, a purge on whatever it was. You know, um, I can't think of million and one examples in the game. There's a little bit of a purge, but then it slackens off. And by Christmas, we've gone back to where we were. Now, if we want to stop dissent, if we want to stop the bullying of match officials, then the, the match officials have got to grow up. pair. They've got to carry out the laws of the game and the authorities have got to support them. And then when the clubs start, you know, the clubs start getting upset about, oh, we've got players suspended. We'll tell your bloody players not to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always been the case. But now, I mean, I see television and I see games and I think on the back of the uncertainty and ambiguity of VAR, players, you can tell, are even more frustrated and this hounding of referees that seemed as if it had gone away for a while, it's now back there. Oh. On, on match of the day, on Sky Television, four or five players surrounding the referee is one thing. It only ever goes over the bar, you know, goes over the acceptability line, occasionally with the Mitrovic incident earlier this season. But as we all know, on the parks and gardens. There isn't a 40,000 crowd, security officers, police and everything to protect the referee. And if those players are seeing managers and players at a senior level being allowed to get away with it, they think it's commonplace. And the poor 17-year-old ref with 10 games experience behind him that is surrounded by six or eight players screaming at him, sometimes a hell of a lot older and obviously a lot more knowledgeable experienced they've got nowhere to hide so you know it's got to come from the top down we've got these experiments now referee cam and things like that they're doing it in my own county at the north riding brilliant but the message should be coming from the top downwards not from the bottom See, That's
3: actually a fantastic argument. We were talking to Andy Ambler yesterday um, and we're going over the points deductions that are going to be happening uh, at grassroots level at step seven. And his angle was the guys at the top will look down and say, shit, if we don't behave, this is going to start happening to us. So it's almost like the flip side of what you were saying there. It's really interesting to get every single angle on this.
2: That that's a fair point, but you know, as we all know, when it gets up to the highest level and you're talking about, you know, people's jobs being on the line, um, if you take two points off, and I'll just throw any team, it doesn't matter, take two points or three points off Liverpool in the first month of next season, that's going to end up in some high in, in some spot in cart or whatever. The season's going to come a lot. A, to a conclusion and we won't knows won the league mm. because you know man city arsenal liverpool whoever is involved they'll all have three or four pending appeals going on mm. for the points that, that were deducted you'd love to think the first times points were deducted the message would get across i'm not so sure i mean the points is the ultimate you know sacrifice i would say that is going to affect clubs but if referees were supported and if referees did the job in the manner that the laws dictate that they should be doing the you know the job then we wouldn't even have to get to that stage um you know a clamp down from the first day of the season time wasting you don't have to throw a card away because in the first minute of the game, away from home, you see goalkeepers pissing about with the with the take where they're taking the goal kick from. Well, the referee can talk to him, make it you know, a public admonishment of it early on in the game. If he continues, to pull the captain to one side. This is the last warning, next time, yellow card, and give him the yellow card. Now, if the goalkeeper is then stupid enough to continue doing it, having only been yellow-carded, well, we we know it would be described as a cheap red. Yeah. But Mm. who's who's the idiot? It's not the referee. It's Mm. the player who, having been warned, having had his captain spoken to, having been issued with a yellow card, then chooses to continue doing it. Now, if a couple of goalkeepers... Did you know go to that extremity and end up being sent off, then surely the rest of football sits up and says, hang on, we're not going to get away with this. If you if you punish advancement, you know, of, of a throwing at a restart of the game. I mean, I don't even know whether they, they, they do this nowadays. We had a time when I was coming towards the end of my career, where if the player ignored your request from where the throwing was taken from. You awarded it the other way, yeah. and that used to frustrate people, but it made them think twice about it, so you know the, the Peter Willis approach of cautioning the whole of the wall fortunately with a with a paint line situation now, I don't think that's as big as a bigger problem, but certainly where three or four players surround the referee, then you know three or four yellow cards, and if the poor bugger in the middle of those three or four yellow cards, has already been cautioned earlier on in the game. He gets a second yellow card. Now, if that doesn't get the message across, surely, unless I'm missing something, it, it seems like common sense, which something I think is has gone from the game. If that gets the message across, it doesn't only get the message across to that. Another one, while I'm on my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> bloody managers in technical areas. Brilliant. Now, it doesn't matter whether you'd agree with them or don't agree with them. And, I mean, poor Michael Oliver in the um, Europa League final. Oh, nice from the first minute. As a fourth official, and I did it often enough myself, the last thing you want to do, the referees got a hard job on in the middle of the field. The last thing you want to be doing is being... Please, sir, please, sir, can you come here? I want to tell you, Suntos doing this. You don't want to do it. You try and man manage it. But these managers know that. They know they're going to be given so much rope that, you know, there's no point hanging themselves because the rope would be dangling on the floor in front Mm -hmm. of them. Um, But you see them taking a position outside the technical area. Sometimes the feet are on the pitch, running up and down from the first five minutes of the game it's got to be hammered you know it's got to be and if that is stopped then maybe Joe you know a, a, a recreation ground in Liverpool on a Sunday morning he might not do it mm. because that mm. message I hear what you said and the gentleman you spoke to yes it can work upwards but I believe discipline you know, is the responsibility of the professional game at the highest level. And I think that would, because, you know, you go back years, what happens at the highest level level gets copied at the lowest level. Yes. The famous or infamous Robbie Fowler sniffing the white line on the pitch, the following, the following, and it was funny and all the rest of it, you know, there was no malice intended, but that was copied. Not the following Mm. week, the following bloomin' morning. It was all around the country, youngsters, not even probably appreciating or knowing what they were doing. Mm. They mimic what goes on. So, like I say, maybe I'm just naive, maybe I'm on cloud-cuckoo land, but I just think so much could be done at the highest level if the referees were instructed to do the job to apply the laws of the game, and if they were then supported by the authorities, and you know handing out if someone finds me or one of his good selves ten thousand pounds for a misdemeanor tomorrow, we've got some serious problems, haven't we? First of all, going home and telling the missus you have been <laughs> you've, you've been fined ten thousand pounds. But I don't think many of us are earning £10,000 and multiples thereof every week. When you're on a contract, I know it's still a chunk of money, £10,000. But finding someone £10,000 when they're earning £200,000 a week, it's, you know, insignificant. And that's why they're probably looking at, well, what is going to hurt people more? I would have thought as a manager, a touchline ban. You know, one match for the, for your first misdemeanor, two matches if you do it a second time, four matches a third time, eight matches the next time. And surely even the thickest of thick is going to eventually say, I'm going to have to keep my bloody mouth shut here because, yeah. you know, he's up in the stand. But I can tell you what will happen. I remember going back when the pet subject of the time, because we always go through these was, you know, the television image of, for example, and he wasn't the only one, Wayne Rooney coming up and effing and blinding in the face of what would appear to be in the earshot of the referee. And the media and everybody, the pundits, everybody was saying, you know, this doesn't look good for the image of the game. It needs clamping down. Well, I can tell you something and I'm just repeating what I said earlier, I think in one respect. The referee that sent Matt time of players, Wayne Rooney off the first week, John Terry off the second week, Frank Lampard the third week and cleaning it up. And there would be some parents, there would be some youth teams saying, well, that's brilliant. They're not getting away with it anymore. I'll tell you something. After you've sent those three high profile players off, the media would turn on you. Oh, Jeff Winder, he wants to be the centre of attention. He thinks people go to watch him. The do the They want to go and see these star players. And now they're all suspended. The clubs would be up in arms. And I would fully expect to get the quiet tap on the shoulder or a phone call from my boss saying, right, Jeff, um, I think they've got the message now. But just ease off a little because Jeff Winder can be kicked off the list and not missed. Wayne Rooney being suspended, John Terry being suspended, Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard, the top players who people want to see, they want to see them. So hang on, what happened to the, let's cut out found abusive language? It's not really important anymore. So you can't have it both ways. You either a, a in discipline, strictly, fairly, across the board, clamping down on the little things, going back to the Pat Partridge, having your own players in their own half of the kickoff, the little things. If you're ensuring throw-ins take place from the right place, if you are ensuring that goalkeepers restart the game as quickly as possible, then a lot of your other problems don't come along. You know, because there's a word that's always been used in all the songs to describe referees. Who's the bastard Bastard in the black? black. Well, I'll tell you something, being known as that bastard, if you as a referee know that in the dressing rooms, the managers are saying to the players before the game, we've got that bastard again today. You've got that game in your pocket because the players are not going to take the liberties that they might have done if you're known as a soft touch. So,
3: to me... I
0: think, yeah, I, I think that, <clears throat> what you're saying from a, a fan listen to you, and I've seen all these conversations that pundits have, and you know, they always call for, you know, this can't be happening, we'll stop them. Having you say that you knew if you did that, and you did go and red card all these high-profile players for being abusive or whatever to the referees, that you get a tap on the shoulder, just shows people who are listening and us that actually... There's, there's, there seems like a lack of desire then really to, to really support the refs. Whereas if you do your job that you're there to do, doing it properly and creating a little bit of fear to, to gain control of a football game, you're the one that's going to lose out, not the footballers. It's mad.
2: Well, the ironic thing is, if, if there's a younger person, a younger referee listening to me um, and the comments I've made that have thought, God, he must have been a right so-and-so as a referee, look back in the history books look at how many red cards i had look at how many yellow cards i had and i bet you when i was at, you know on the premier league list there wasn't many that had fewer cards than me mm. certainly fewer yellow red cards than me because of that reputation that went before you kind of thing well i think so i yeah. mean somebody might come up with facts and figures but if you are known to be hard line on the little things then the big things don't usually happen we know in any game of football if somebody does a two-footed tackle goes over the top it doesn't matter you could be the nicest friendliest strictest referee on earth something happens you've got to apply the laws of the game um but if you have a reputation which you earn because as a referee coming on to any level You know, I still talk old money, class three, class two, class one. I know it's all different now. But your first game on the National League used to be the conference in my game day. The first game you do as a football league referee. And then by the time you get to the Premier League and you do your first Premier League game, you're known as a rookie ref because you're starting all over again at that level. And, you know... That didn't help because in the match programme, I remembered Carlisle versus Walsall, and it had in the match programme. Oh, Jeff went to making his first refereeing appearance in the Football League. And you know, imagine 22 players in the dressing room. He's a newbie, get stuck into him. <laughs> and they do at every level. You start yes, all over again. And then when you get your respect, when you get your reputation, life does become easier and the irony of football is when after having had a long career where you get in you know comments derogatory comments now everything throughout your career when you get to the end of your career and people know that you're retiring you get players and managers saying why are we getting rid of them they know what they're doing and you get more respect I got more respect as a referee when I'd hung up my whistle. <laughs> God, I wish you were still here, Jeff. Yeah. People are saying to me now, when just me, you know, I'm I'm happy if I can get out of the bed and walk on a morning. We, do you want to do our game on Saturday? And I think, no, not really. Thank you very much. But, you know, all of a sudden you become a good referee when you're not refereeing yeah, anymore. Can yeah. I
1: watch you? When you said earlier you hadn't referee for, what, 20-odd years, whatever, your passion is still there for refereeing. I love it's football. absolutely leaped out of you. It's so lovely to see you being so passionate about a refereeing.
2: A I'm a football fan. I'm passionate about football. I, you know, I still play football, walking football, abysmally, but I love going out twice a week and playing football. I'm a season ticket holder at Ibrox. I work for Middlesbrough Football Club on match days and I also um I'm a keen follower. I'm an I'm, I'm got easy to say, I'm gonna to, to get some new teeth. I'm an ambassador for a Northern League club. I'm involved quite a lot with another club and I go and watch, you know, games at Hartlepool, Darlington and throughout the Northeast. What do you do at Middlesbrough, Jeff? What, what are you doing there? I, I, I'm in the lounges with the former players' hospitality. Oh, right. So people and stuff. Pardon?
0: Like kind of meeting people
2: and... and well, no, we, we tend to do an interview in the in the lounges before a game. The normal sort of corporate hospitality, which yeah. I, I love. And I'm watching football. You know, I, I usually... COVID knocked it back, obviously. But I, I usually watch 100, 100-plus 100 games a season. So I love football refereeing. Once you've been a referee, you'll always be a referee. And, you know, even though I'm watching my team play on a Saturday. You know, when the ball hits the back of the net as a referee, a former referee, you you automatically glance at the assistant. (laughs) because You did that when you were on the pitch as a referee, you still do it as a fan. And I I get accused of always sticking up for the referee i don't but i always try and look at a game of football through the referee's eyes and you know i'm thinking well that does look pretty blatant why didn't he give it you know now is it positioning uh or whatever so you know i will always take a referee in interest but i wouldn't like la- when i said i wouldn't last five minutes on the pitch nowadays because the style i had worked back then. I don't necessarily think it would work now. You hear your players turning around saying the referee said this. He can't talk to me like that. Well, in my day, if a player told me to fuck off, they knew what they were getting back. And in fairness, that helped you control professional footballers far better than come here, card, you know, give them some of their own medicine. I know it, it doesn't make it right. But there was a mutual respect. Um, but I could not stand on a. F- I look at some of the referees now, excellent referees, experienced referees, and they look like chickens. You know, what's that saying? In the oh, head, it was. It headlights. Rabbits. That's it. I knew it was an animal. Um, <laughs> they look like rabbits caught in the headlights, and you know you can almost see the confusion. What the fuck's going on? And yeah. you know the, the listening and the being told this, and then they've got to go across and look at the screen and that. VAR when it works, as we've seen it, you know in other countries and at Euros and World Cups, it can be you know very very helpful, but. Even in our country, we seem as if in the early stages we made a balls up of it. And people, I honestly believe, I might be wrong, but I honestly believe the malfunctioning of VAR has led to the players becoming more frustrated, which has turned to dissent and, you know, the overcrowding of referees. Um, I think a lot of that you can lay the blame at the foot of var um not uh, yeah yeah but just the mismanagement you know of and the confusion you know i mean and i i personally hate being at the football ground and the level i was watching football i didn't see much VAR, fortunately <laughs> but you know if you if you're at the premier league game or or european games i mean i've experienced it abroad watching Rangers and at Ibrox watching them. And you've got this sort of pregnant pause where nobody in the ground quite knows, can I celebrate what's happening? Mm -hmm. Um, It's here to stay. There's no point knocking it now, and it will improve. But whilst I'm blaming VAR for the increase in dissent and the increase in, in answering back and questioning decisions, um, I still believe the referees match officials have got it in their power to get hold of the game by the scruff of the neck and get it back again. And I, I firmly believe, despite what other people have said, they might be right. But personally, I firmly believe if it's being administered, the laws are being administered strictly and which is what a referee is all about consistently at the highest level, that is going to help the thousands of grassroots referees who don't have the protection of security, stewarding, etc, etc.
3: On the back of that, I read an absolutely superb piece of advice for referees. Well, if you could tell me what you think of this, it says, to all those hardy souls in black, much aligned, unloved and the scapegoat for every player, manager and supporters feelings. Keep smiling, stay calm, enjoy, don't let the bastards get you down
2: who said that i was just when you started talking i think that is the last line in my autobiography <laughs> <laughs> um, which unfortunately i can't plug because it's sold out now otherwise it would, have been a, it would have been a lovely introduction to say copies are can be ordered by you uh, but it no, is a fantastic piece I of mean, advice I, i've always said that you know that other people if if younger referees ask me advice, and I always say, keep cool. When everybody else around you is losing their cool, make sure you keep calm, you know, and and adopt that authority. But, yeah, um, when you started reading that, I'm thinking, who said that? When you came to the the final line, I thought, yes. Um, I mean, it's it's not a difficult game. You know, I remember once somebody showing me the laws of Rugby Union and uh, yeah. um, I'm certainly not intelligent or clever enough to understand that many laws and interpretations. But football, unless it's changed, is it still 17? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. um, th- there's a variety of interpretations, but it was a basically simple game. I think the authorities and one thing and another have made it more difficult. But the game needs referees. Without a referee, you ain't got a game. And, you know, when you look at the amount of football, um, I go and watch my grandsons play, and the amount of football there is now, we need more match officials. Um, And, you know, when, before I retired, there were, the pundits were screaming out, we need technology, you know, managers are losing their jobs. A manager didn't lose his job ever over a refereeing decision. He lost it over his inability to get his team to perform over the course of, we know now if you're at Watford, it might only be four or five games. (laughs) It it wasn't over one decision. And um, I don't know. But in, in my day, when they were asking for technology, it's got to be brought in, these referees are ruining it and all the rest of it. I used to say then, be careful what you wish for, and a few people have come up to me when I'm out and about speaking and they've said, um, I remember you, because I used to do the Sky Television on a Monday morning, um, they used to say, remember you saying, be careful what you wish for, and I think I was right, because I think things will improve, they've got to improve. Um, you know, VAI was such a drastic thing to bring in, perhaps it was brought into soon, but then, you know, maybe the, the problems could only be ironed out once, you know, they've been put into force, but certainly in this country over the last few years since it was brought in, it has created at times more problems than it solved, though I'm somebody sure somebody will tell you facts and figures that say, you know, I'm wrong. And maybe i am but the perception of myself as a fan is you know much the day it used to be straight guy funny guy one would say black one would say white and then they talk about the football i think now we spend more time watching shows where they're talking more about var than they ever used to talk about decisions in days before so We're stuck with that, but I still firmly believe that referees, if supported, have got it within their own powers, within the laws of the game, to clamp down and to improve discipline, and in so doing make the game at the professional level so much better to watch. I mean, that farce last week in the Europa League, you know, I mean... That, that I think there are some... You talk about players, unfortunately, assaulting referees. I think if I was still a referee, I might have been assaulting players. <laughs> because, you know, when <laughs> somebody... And, and, and that's not big, <clears throat> not clever, and please, for God's sake, don't anyone do it. Mm. But, you know, I mean, it got to the stage where somebody's coming up and putting their head into your face and screaming at you. Um, that's got to stop. Yeah.
0: Can I ask um, you, when, when you're just... Just for listeners out there, because I always find it interesting when I, when I hear referees talk, because we always hear player stories, we always hear <coughs> manager stories. What's it like when you get named as a, as a Premier League ref and you're doing it week in, week out? What kind of stuff do people not know of that happens behind the scenes, before a game and after a game? Have you got any like really cool stories that people are like, wow, I can't believe that happened? Don't have to name any names, just... You know what generally goes off in the in the build to kick off, maybe a little bit in tunnels and then afterwards. What what is it like being a premier at Ref and what kind of stuff do you see behind the scenes that, that nobody even knows happens? Just as well, an interesting perspective on it.
2: I did write a book that um <laughs> Wayne has mentioned. I am very active on the after dinner speaking circuit.
3: So
2: I could say buy a ticket and find out. Devil, devil. You know, there, I mean, there is a million and one stories, and obviously some of them are amusing. Um, but it is a different world, and I mean, they've done these fly by night documentaries, um, or oh, sorry, fly on the wall documentaries, um, and they've looked, they've scratched the surface really. You know, I mean, what goes on before games, the build up, um, the mind games. But what people do tend to forget is that by the time a referee has got to refereeing in the Premier League, his experience is vast. His knowledge is vast. Um, You might be led to believe it isn't because, you know, referees don't know the game, we're told. Only players know the game not the ones I watch on Match of the Day and on Sky that are arguing the toss amongst themselves. They obviously don't know the laws of the game. Um, and there is that's the one thing that still frustrates me to this day. It's the cheap, easy jibe. A referee doesn't know what a foul is, but a player does because he's played the game. I mean, are they fucking having a laugh or what? You know, you don't get to referee at that level without picking up so much experience, so much, you know, thousands of games. Now, I mean, some the number of games that are going on every weekend and referees, I don't know many referees in non-league football that aren't doing 60, 70, 80, even more games. Well, you do that over a few seasons. There's a little bit of experience being gained there. And I think you might learn out learn what is a foul and what isn't a foul. And more importantly, what position to be in to give it. We've all been conned because of the brilliant coverage on TV um, of assuming that a referee can see anything and everything that's going on on a pitch. Well, we know that isn't the case. And I... I Often invited, even in the days before the, the great advent of goal line technology. Brilliant. Because before then, people used to say, everyone in the ground could see the ball was over the line. Eh? You sit in row one on the Anfield road end, and you can see the ball's over the line at the top end of Anfield. I tell you something, I want your eyes, because you are un- incredible. You know, and from a dugout, you can see that it was in the penalty area. You can't even see the white line. When you're on a football pitch, you only see the the white lines marking out the penalty area when you get to about 10 or 12 yards from them. Because they're not little six-inch walls. They're a bit of paint on the grass. And, you know, people are conned into this to believe in, oh, everyone could see the ball was out of play. No, you couldn't. You actually had to be there. And if the ball's going at 80 miles an hour, I'm sorry, my ads don't work that quickly.
3: <laughs> um,
2: so, you know, but I say this when people, you know, ask for a Q&A at an event. Um, you could put a programme on and you could have a referee. For, well, it'd have to be a former referee because if you're a current referee, they won't let you open your mouth. I'll... Um, Al- I'll enrol for that job. You know, you can give me the tens of thousands of pounds a week. And everybody would switch off after week two because they'd be bored rigid because 95% of the people couldn't give a shit. What is right? What is wrong? They go to a football match to support their team. And I sit amongst fans in the main, in Glasgow, in Middlesbrough, and various other grounds, and I smile, but I think, oh, this is so boring because they are appealing. Every foul on a player from your team, give him the yellow card, referee, get him booked. And, Hang on, we, we wouldn't get to half time, there'd be nobody left on the pitch. And every free kick are given against your team, the fans, the referees are whatever. So most fans go there to support the team. Thank God, that's what football is all about. Passion, love for their team, and they're not interested in what's right or wrong. They just want everything to go their way. And the referee will always be the pantomime villain, but the referee could, and this is what kept me going. I wasn't good enough to play football at that level, but a referee doing his job properly makes it a better game for the players. And makes it a better game for the fans and that's what referees nowadays have got to take back they've got to take back the control they've got to be the bastard in the black and they've got <laughs> to give you know they've got to apply the laws and the game would be so so much better for it brilliant I'm still I'm lost for words now. That's absolutely fantastic. Like, no,
1: honestly, guys, I was I was to the boys earlier. Here we are a few days after the FA Cup final. What's it like to do the FA Cup final?
2: Well, it was a rather well-known story. Now, I mean, I was never ever going to get the FA Cup final because of the politics within the game. I wasn't a FIFA referee, and people like David Ellery um snobbishly um felt that you had to be um an international list referee and that didn't mean that you'd refereed in the world cup final it meant that you'd have got the white fifa badge and you know the fact that you got the white fifa badge some of the lads did under 21s and b games um they never ever refereed in the champions league but if you hadn't had the white badge you could you you shouldn't referee the FA Cup final and I was allegedly due to get the League Cup final that year and I've been followed Middlesbrough all my life and through most of that time they'd been decidedly average they choose to get to the League Cup final in my final season. <laughs> Thanks Borough. <laughs> half my life watching you now you've lost me that. but in fairness I said at the time and I still say it to this day I was a Borough fan before I was a referee and when I finished being a referee I went back to being a Borough fan so being at um, the Millennium Stadium to watch Middlesbrough lift the first trophy in their history was far more important to me than refereeing the game but the fact that I didn't do that game For once, I got a little bit lucky and at the end of the season, I got the FA Cup final and apart from not having the white badge, it was also the final game of my career because I was retiring and I don't there'd been a long record of um, not only people not getting the final unless they were a FIFA official, but also not getting it as sort of a swan song, because in that final game, you know, you could do something a little bit controversial. And um, then if you were bringing a book out or you were going on the after-dinner circuit, uh, all of a sudden you've made a name for yourself. Um, Fortunately, in my FA Cup final, there was only one yellow card, no controversy. And let's be honest, any referee going out there doesn't want a book full of names doesn't want to be sending players off and doesn't want controversy. You just want to be able to do the game, go home and get on with your life and not be worried about what the Sunday Papers are going to say the following day. So fortunately for once in my life, I did get lucky, but tremendous honor. Um, I'm pleased obviously that I got the opportunity. It culminated what to me had been a long and, whether it was successful career, it was something I thoroughly enjoyed doing. Would I want to start refereeing again today? If one of my grandsons was going to start refereeing, there's part of me would say yes. I'd love you know him to emulate what I did and hopefully do a lot more than I did. But I'm not so sure because the world's changed. As um, mm. hear I hear tales from the politics and things in football now that, and a a lot of former players, we we get together, working together with them at Middlesbrough and um, seeing them on the speaking circuit. And we all say the same thing, and it's a little bit sad in a way. The game now has just gone, it's not a sport anymore. It's a multi-million, multi-billion pound industry. Um, And if you were a referee now, Indeed, if you were a player now, the rewards are so much greater. But this might be me putting a sentimental head on. I think we had the good days. You know, it was more enjoyable. There was more people talk about the circuit I'm on now, the after dinner speaking circuit and of the present day footballers. Who's going to be your next after dinner speaker? One, they don't need the money. And two, I just don't think there's the characters around that, that used to be. And that's on the playing side and on the officialdom side. Um you it's, know. Almost
0: become, it's almost become watered down. It's like they've all been it's like they've all gone through a manufactured process. Even I even had a conversation about even how they play football. Would you see like I'm trying to think of the top of my head, kind of Maverick players, if you like, like Ginola or Barnes who just got a ball and took it and did the magic with it. Now it's kind of all, they're all kind of shaped to, you know, pass and move and, you know, you don't see as many long range shots as what you used to do because the, the build up play is more important and, you know, I, 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 you know the after, when, when you hear him talk afterwards, you know, that when you do get a character, which is few and far between now, you're kind of clinging on to hear more from him because... To give you a little bit more, and you can relate to them a, bit, a little
2: bit more, but well, it's coached out of them yeah, now. That's isn't mean, it? Yeah,
0: that's what I mean. it's kind of like it's the modernized line. Yeah, the, the- I mean,
2: it, it was wonderful watching Barcelona and incredible watching Manchester City, but you go and watch an on league game football now, and they're all playing out from the back. <laughs> well, hang on a minute. There's players at Barcelona capable of playing out from the back. <laughs>
1: um,
2: you know, most of the fullbacks playing, you know, under 10s. I, I've, I've been and watching my grandson play football. And you can hear the coaches telling the players to play out from the back because it's the only way to play football, you know. There's nothing, oh. you know, you can't kick the ball straight up to the center forward and he scores a goal. It's got to come from the back. It's got to take 60 passes. And, and it, it is quite funny watching as football has developed over the years that there's only one way to play football i'm sure if um, uh, um a fellow person from my hometown brian clough was still alive now he would tell you the only way to play football is to win and how you get the ball in the net at the other end of the field whether it's one pass or 101 passes um it's about winning so the game's changed but then Football quite often, you know, when we talk about behaviour on one thing and another, it mirrors life. And football sometimes has to carry the can and get the blame for anything and everything that's wrong in the world. It's life in general, you know, social media. Everyone's an expert now. You know, nobody needs to referee for 15 years to get on the Premier League because the 14-year-old who's got a computer screen in front of him, he can tell you what's right and wrong. You can also solve all the COVID problems and all the uh, <laughs> food shortages and cost of living. Everyone's an expert nowadays, um, but that's the world we live in.
1: I know you're in your little man cave there as well. Those people who are watching us on YouTube will see your little man cave behind where everything is. And when you were talking about the FA Cup, I was thinking, where does he keep that medal, that FA Cup medal? Weird isn't it? Do you know what it is? I'm telling you that. <laughs> I don't, I don't have <laughs> we have, have
2: burglars on T-side, you know. Yeah, you gotta scout to come up and rob it. <laughs> no, I'm not this is it's got a, it, this is my office, and I've looks got great, um, please. I've got a lot of pennants and little bits uh, in here, but I mean I have um, I, it's funny, you know, when you talk to people players, you know, players have obviously won hundreds of well not hundreds, but a lot of medals, and they don't even know where they are. You know, players that used to get a cap every time they played for England yeah. but for England. They might be in a box in the attic or something. But um that is the one thing, whether it be something tangible like a medal or a program or whatever. It's the great thing about football is you've got your memories. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I was a, a daft lad in Middlesbrough who used to, you know, as a teenager, fight on the terraces because uh, that's what happened in those days. Um, f- football and refereeing saved me from probably getting into bother. And um, I had a great career in the game. And now I've come back and I like to think I put a lot back into football. But I also still work in a, in an arena that really because of the time I had in football, and we all love our football. And in the last couple of years, I know I've said like on a couple of occasions, some people say, well, why do you keep going? I think at times I fell out of love with football. Um, because you know that some of the ways and VAR being a perfect example, they've spoilt something. Now I know it can help and probably will help more in the future. But the great thing about football is it doesn't matter who you are or what you are. We've all got an opinion on it, and we all love it. And um, you know, until my dying day, I'll um, I'll still be going to football and talking about football because no disrespect to other sports, I just don't think there's anything like football. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, from my point of view, it's been a pleasure to be involved in the game. If I if I'd have had my wish, I'd have been. Playing football, but unfortunately, a distinct lack of ability prevented that. (laughs) Then again, some people might say a distinct lack of ability stopped me being a good referee. (laughs) Everyone, everyone's got an opinion.
1: Oh, you're top ref, top, top ref, top, top lad, and it's, you know, there's, there's, when you, you know, obviously knew your story about, you know, your, your journey of what you, what you went through, and I think, could you imagine you, someone throwing a chair at you? in an airport and acting as calm as Anthony Taylor's
2: is no I couldn't have done I think I think Anthony Taylor was brilliant money was absolutely superb I mean I remember watching Anthony um when he was um sort of doing almost junior football and then when he was starting off um and he refereed at Hartlepool and Darlington um you know in the football league and funnily enough both him and Michael Oliver were the two young referees at the time I saw and you didn't have to be a brain surgeon to work out even when you saw them sort of in their late teens early 20s you knew they were going a long long way and you know they've obviously know how to behave off the pitch I'd like to think I would have um behaved in a similar manner to Anthony Taylor but if i'm being honest i don't think i would no, so because you know. um there was a saying that i use on the after dinner circuit um about um getting your retaliation in first <laughs> and,
3: um,
2: you know if 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 i'm walking through there and i've got my wife family or whatever with me and somebody's coming towards me I'm going to make sure they go down before they even get towards me. So, you know, um, because, you know, it's almost a law of the jungle. And we could talk about that for forever as to how and why he was put in that position. But, you know, I don't think his reputation has been damaged in any way, shape or form. You still see some prats on social media putting down. He could have given this. He should have given Mm -hmm. that. Fuck's sake. The people that pass comments like that have never been on a football pitch, let alone refereed a European final. You know, it's like when Howard Webb refereed the World Cup final. And if 22 players go out there and have decided they're going to kick shit out of each other, it doesn't matter whether you're Howard Webb, Pierluigi Colina, whoever you are, you as one man cannot stop them. But the way they've got to decide what to punish and how to punish it. Because if Howard Webb had done what all the experts said he should have done and sent three off in the first 20 minutes of the world cup final, either them being castigated as the man who spoiled the world cup final. Mm. So, you know, as a referee, you can't win, but some of our guys are doing a damn good job to try and win. And, um, you know, we might perhaps haven't got the strength in depth, But now with Howard Webb in charge, as I say, if he's supported from above, he is the man who can change things from the top. Absolutely. I still think the control and the reputation has got to come from the top downwards, and it's going to have to be a pretty persuasive argument from someone who's going to make me change my mind on that.
1: (laughs) I I um I went over to Holland to watch that game, not World Cup finals I don't want to
2: know about United. <laughs> I've, I've
1: got a mate over there. He be listening to this podcast actually. He's a ref who lives in it, Southern Holland in a place called Wilbersholtz, and he was like, "Nick, scouts, come over." You know, blah blah blah. So I went over, and he, they were all made up in a little village. They had little all the stuff of the World Cup that they were all made up. That we had Howard Webb referee in the game. Oh my God, best ref, blah blah blah. After the game, we were supposed to go down to the local bar. He says Scouts don't go down there because they want to kill the English to blame it on web. <laughs> so, within an hour and a half, he'd gone from like this hero, they were made up, couldn't be a better referee. To-
2: but isn't that, isn't that the story of refereeing? Yeah,
1: you absolutely. Know, I, I
2: mean, I've always said that a player can be on the football pitch and for 89 minutes be shite. How he hasn't been pulled off, I will never know. And in the 90th minute, he gets on the end of a cross and scores the winner. For a referee, roll reversal. For 89 minutes, can have a superb game. No major controversy about anything and everything. And in the last minute of the game, he makes a decision and it's all his fault. And um, you see, you, social media being one of the worst things that come on after the game. That referee was shite. Oh, you mean Middlesbrough lost 1-0? We didn't take our chances. We didn't stop their players scoring. Yeah, but the referee. And you're thinking, what did the referee actually do wrong today? Mm-hmm. My team lost. So it's got to be someone's fault. And the same people that slag the referee off, they turn on their own players yeah. because, okay. to yeah. be honest, they're experts. Of course they will, absolutely. Well, this 20-minute chat we were having is now on 65 <laughs> minutes. You know what, Jeff? Honest to God. Independent that's what I'd bring into football. <laughs> Independent.
1: Oh, of all, yeah.
2: Instead of all this bollocks at the end of the game, where'd the referee get that time from? Surely somebody by now, and, and they're very good at creating money, somebody should have got a sponsorship with a stadium clock, like in ice hockey, basketball, or whatever, where the countdown. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. we could even all us prats in the stadium join in and go 10. Nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we all know where we stood, and once it comes into football, I'm getting one for you, lads. because then, well, do you know what? We were 20 minutes, I'd have been gone, I'd have had me tea. You've been watching Coronation <laughs> Here we are. Well, I said. Just because I'm a job shite, you know, you could have pulled the i an hour ago. <laughs> One of our listeners actually asked
3: us what your opinion is on timekeeping. I think you've made that abundantly clear. Absolutely so clear. well done, Ian Armour. That's your question <laughs> answered.
1: And it was, it was, it was, that's why, you know, I said you're so passionate about it. And, you know, to shut us three up on a podcast like you have, maybe just listen to you. Is take some doing mate, and that that's probably a sign of. That could be my greatest.
2: That could be my greatest ever achievement in football. <laughs> well, you know, you know, yeah, I don't think up. I've ever been as quite for an hour to be honest. And I, I know. Amazing. I just, business, I you. Just
0: this, you just get us so much stuff just just really just you know off the cuff off your heart just told us how it is, and I think um, this is why we want to do this. I think giving refs a, a platform to come on and just tell your side of things, and, and you've told us and loads. There's,
2: there's loads some, there. some great characters out there, you know more from my generation. I mean, Mike Dean is a top, top guy, as well as obviously being a top referee. He's unbelievably funny. Go out for a few beers with Mike Dean. Love him to bits. Hmm. But if he is now, and I'm not too sure whether he still is, I think he's involved with the VAR setup. Um, he wouldn't be allowed to do this. You know, you've... And then if those lads, when they come to the end of their active refereeing careers, um, they've got to sign things. Because, I mean, now they get they get paid. You know, the, there are benefits post-refereeing career, or there's different jobs for them. Um, they're not going to open their mouths. They can't be honest because, and, and not honest as in dishonest, but they can't be open. They can't be talking you know, you'd have to run all this through um, a committee before, you know, I'd have to do an interview before I did my interview with you. Mm. And, you know, I'm probably the black sheep, because they can't control me, because I'm nothing to do with them. And sad as it, it does hurt me to say this, I'm glad I'm nothing to do with them, because it ain't what it used to be. And I just hope as you can probably tell from this Howard Webb when he first became a Premier League referee he he was given to me um because my roommate had just retired and he was my roommate and we had a couple of years together and you know I got to know the person and he is top top man mm. and he's the right man for the job but mm-hmm. He's not as big as Manchester United, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Arsenal. And if they're them clubs that have got a certain amount of clout within the Premier League and a phenomenal amount of clout and other clubs with them, if they decide this is going to happen and that's going to happen, then it doesn't matter whether you're Howard Webb or who you are, the authorities have got to take control, support the referees and then hopefully we can be on here. We might not have a show because we're not going to be talking about, you know, the problems in the game. Yeah. The game will go back to being something that we just want to watch for the football. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Super. I think that was outstanding. Um, I, oh, I don't yeah. want to any longer. I'm a bit fearful of you now. I might get a red card myself off of you. But um, I don't know. Does, does anybody want to ask anything final before we go and I've been to everything i mean, what are you having for your tea.
1: You
2: haven't tea? you. got to do I'm not having any tea now. It's fucking supper time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, it, you might have noticed since I finished refereeing, I'm not as skinny as I used to be. <laughs> so, you know. The fact that I've missed me tea tonight, it, it's probably not going to be, um, you know, a, a major disaster in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will survive. I, I'd hate you three lads to be thinking, Jeff Winter has starved to death because of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff,
1: we, the last thing we want to do is you to die at any point, but, um, <laughs> absolute privilege, mate, to have you on. And I knew, I knew you'd be brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And, and I really want to thank you, mate. Honestly, God, it's good to have a to have, have such an insight into the game, and and to see you being so connected and and, and passionate about today's game, well, mate. So just think, just think,
2: I could have been involved with the leadership of referees in this country, but I wouldn't do a fucking power play <laughs> because <Yeah>. I honestly <laughs> believe. Talking to people, getting the confidence of people, helping people involves this hole in the front of me face, <laughs> not pressing my finger on a computer. I've been to a meeting today where there were, you know, it was one of these um, where the health and safety at the beginning of the meeting, and they literally had to tell you, where the fire exit was and mm. where the toilets were and all the rest of it, the necessary stuff, coupled with the walk sort of things that go on nowadays. And would you believe it was on a PowerPoint? And the woman <laughs> at the front stood there and pressed a button. And then she told us where the toilets were. Another <laughs> button, And I'm thinking, this is the way to educate people. And that's when refereeing went wrong for me and when I got out. But as a fan now, brilliant. So, so we what, know referees are now where they are because of PowerPoint. PowerPoint. Well, I might, I might have stayed involved if I had been prepared to do a PowerPoint presentation on how I would deal with people to... Give them confidence and encourage them and improve them. Um that's when I think football started going down the or referee <laughs> aspect of football started going down the tube.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Well, listen, we'll make sure we put out that this episode is sponsor by PowerPoint.
2: <laughs> 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 well, as long yeah. as long as I as long as I'm getting a wedge for it, I'll, yeah, you will get it, made, Yeah, we can get yeah, it. Made, get rid of, get rid of yeah. everything I've said. PowerPoint is the way forward. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Listen, we're going to let you go, mate. Absolute privilege. Absolute Thank privilege. You.
2: And, My uh, pleasure. And thanks Good for your time, mate. Thank you for that. Best wishes, Jeff. Cheers. All the best, lads. Cheers. ta da
0: And I think...
1: Oh, he's gone. I was going to wait for you to stop well, recording. I'm
0: not sure if he has. I'm thinking maybe telling is a lie. I'm not sure he's not going to to all at all. Ready for no, cause, him.
1: because it's like I, you know, I once used to say he would stop recording, and what a what a what a fucking guest he was. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> all right. <coughs>
0: um, we'll wrap this up. We'll we'll chat afterwards after I wrap it up because we're we're at an hour fifteen. That's a record um wow. for us so far in, in the ref pod. Um, so we'll. <laughs> We'll wrap it up. Obviously, we're getting to a point now where we're hoping that you, the listener, are starting to subscribe. You, you, you know, you're subscribing on your Spotify or your YouTube or whatever it is, following us like I keep saying, at the rep on all your social media channels. If you just listen to this, get at us, leave us your thoughts, tell us what you think. We also, as well, like I said, we are looking for more people to come on. It's not just about people that are high up the food chain, if you like. Um, I forgot to mention this. We have got a um, an email address we can get us which is therefpod at gmail.com so if anybody wants to approach us about coming on you've got a good story to tell or you want to get involved with the conversation and you may be a a junior referee or whatever or, or anybody really raise the word we're open for uh, drop us an email but um, at therefpod find us follow us share us subscribe to us because this is just the beginning <laughs> um, mm. Martin wave. Thank you again, and um, we'll see you on the next episode of The Report. Cheers, guys. What a pleasure that was. Cheers, lads.